Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Good morning. Would you please pray with me as we prepare to hear God's word preached? O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and give us your Holy Spirit, O gracious God, that we would grow, that we would take the next step in our journey as disciples. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today is uh, sermon number four in our GD4L series, reflecting on chapter three, and uh, we're taking a look at what it means to be a growing disciple. And so if you would like to take notes, you can open up to page 38 in your booklets. And uh, today as we explore this theme of growth in the Christian life, that I am a growing disciple, I want to focus on three questions. First, how do we measure growth in a church? If our church was growing, how would we know it? Next, what does growth look like in the life of a Christian? And then third and finally, how does growth take place in the life of a Christian? And based on that, we're going to conclude with one more question, and it is, what is the next step for you in your life as a disciple as you grow? What's the next step God's calling you to take? So we'll begin with our first question, how do we measure growth in a church? How might we know if our congregation is growing? I think it's obvious that as a congregation, we want to grow. Jesus said, go and make disciples, and he meant everybody, right? And so, uh, we want to grow as a church. That's good. But usually, when we talk about churches growing, we're talking about numbers, right? We typically will look at numbers, metrics, how many people have become members, how many people are worshiping on a particular Sunday, Uh, maybe how much we've received in offerings, and does that correspond to can we do the work God's called us to do? Uh, We might even look at maybe square feet in our building and say, we know we're growing if we expand as a congregation. And so if our congregation added lots of new members or if we added a staff position because we needed it and we had the funds for it, or if we even added on to our building, which has happened before at Holy Cross, we might say, praise God, we're a growing church. But I think we need to pause and ask ourselves an important question. Could a church be growing numerically but not truly growing as disciples? Could a church be growing a mile wide but only an inch deep instead of growing deeply rooted disciples? Could it be that we might call something success that God would look at and say, this is not success? Here's the thing. If we're using numbers as our main metric, cultural Christianity does a great job of growing a church. So we talked about cultural Christianity a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is basically uh, an uh, approach to the church and Christian life that is kind of loosely attached. You know, it, it just wants the church to be involved when there's an emergency or a special occasion. Uh, that type of, of approach to, to Christian life will grow a church very quickly. 
because there's no expectations for discipleship. There's no call to take up the cross and follow Jesus with other Christians. You know, we could just baptize the whole city of Kearney and have them on our membership list and think, we've grown as a church. But from God's perspective, is that really growth? I don't think so. If numbers are what we're after, if that's what we're tracking, I think that consumer Christianity will do the trick. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a consumer approach to the church. That means that it's all about me, my perceived needs and preferences. It has to be just right, not too hot, not too cold, or I'm not going to participate, right? Now, if we were to take that approach to church, we could grow the church really quickly. And we see this, that churches in America have grown quickly because they've been all about kind of a dog and pony show approach to ministry. I recently heard about a church that hosted an Easter egg hunt in which the eggs were dropped from a helicopter. That's exciting. That will draw a crowd. Although in the article I read that mass chaos ensued as all the children ran to get the eggs and there weren't enough. Um, so high liability there. But. So that sounds interesting. So something like that, something flashy, attractional, might grow a church for a moment. It can draw a crowd. But the question is, what's going to keep that crowd? It's got to be something bigger and better, something more flashy. And we have to ask, what's keeping people attached to the church? Is it convenience? Is it excitement? Is it entertainment? Or is it Christ and his teaching? Now, when we look at the New Testament, the way that it tracks growth... Sometimes the New Testament does talk in the language of numbers, and that's okay. So, for example, in Acts chapter 2, right after uh, the the day of Pentecost, the book of Acts marvels that 3,000 people were baptized in one single day. There wasn't even any helicopters. There was just the Holy Spirit and the preaching of God's Word, and 3,000 people were baptized that day. So it's okay to talk about numbers, but more often than not, when the New Testament measures growth, it talks about growth in terms of the individual fruit produced in a Christian's life. It's talking about depth of growth in your life and my life. It's talking about quality, not quantity. And so Jesus says in John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me remains in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I encourage you to read John chapter 15 sometime this week. You'll see that Jesus' approach to growth is not always the way that we approach growth, because Jesus talks about the Father pruning so that growth might take place. He talks about fruitfulness, which means that true growth means that you and I have a deeper connection with Jesus, which leads to greater uh, fruit in our lives. So, fruit in the life of the individual Christian is the true metric. So, the question that we need to always ask ourselves at Holy Cross is not first and foremost, are we growing in numbers, but rather, are we growing deeper in our connection with Jesus and bearing fruit. Do you see the difference? Okay. Second, what does growth look like in the life of a Christian? Jesus gives an answer to that in John 15. Again, 
Jesus has told us that those who have a living connection to Him will bear fruit. Well, what does that fruit look like in your life and mine? I would note two things from John 15. The first is this, is that as one who is growing, this means that we will have first and foremost a deeper dependence upon Jesus Christ. This is where it all starts, friends. It doesn't start with your ability or your performance or even the fruit. It starts with you having a deeper dependence upon Jesus Christ. Now, what's beautiful about this is this means that discipleship starts wherever you are in you admitting, I'm weak, I can't, admitting your failures, right? That's where discipleship starts because it leans entirely upon Jesus. Look what Jesus says. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, remains in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For, let's read it together, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's dependence. You see, just like a branch is completely dependent upon the vine for nutrients so that it can produce fruit, in the same way, you and I are completely, utterly dependent upon Jesus Christ so that we might produce fruit in our lives. I heard somebody once describe Christian growth as growing up backwards. And what I mean by that, growing up backwards, is that the normal course of your life as you mature into adulthood is to be less dependent and more self-reliant, right? You know you're growing as an adult when you learn how to get a job and make money for yourself and you, you buy your own you know, house or apartment and you learn how to drive a car and you learn how to feed yourself, right? Those are all things that parents or guardians did for us at one time, but you know you're growing because you learn how to do these things for yourself. But as Christians, our growth is completely flipped upside down. Our growth means we grow up backwards, that we become more dependent upon Jesus rather than more self-reliant. See, in the life of a disciple, self-reliance is the problem, right? Everything is dependent upon Jesus. So first and foremost, as a disciple, your growth looks like you and me leaning the entire weight of our existence upon Jesus Christ, crucified and raised from the dead. Our life comes from Him. We have no other source of strength or ability. But second, based on our dependence upon Christ, growth in your life looks like you and me becoming more and more like Jesus. So Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that this is God's plan for, for us as human beings, is that we would be conformed to the image of His Son, that we become more like Jesus. Now, Keep in mind, none of us become completely like Jesus in this life. You know that when somebody catches you off guard and you're not in a good mood. You're like, I thought I was Christ-like. I'm reminded that I'm not, right? You feel that. We're never completely made like Jesus in this life, but we are in process of becoming like Jesus. That finally gets all figured out when Christ raises us from the dead and makes all things new. But in the meantime... Although we are very weak and struggling often, the Holy Spirit is making us more like Jesus. And so Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15 again. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Isn't that beautiful that as the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves you? And so on the basis of that love and that security, that grace, he says, abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So growth in your life as a Christian means that you become more like Jesus, that you keep His command to love others as He has first loved you. Or to use the language of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, to become more like Christ means that the Holy Spirit is sowing and reaping in you the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. This is Christ-likeness. Because isn't it true that Jesus Christ is the perfect expression of all of these fruits? Who is more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, etc., as Jesus? He's the perfect expression of these things. And so as Jesus is loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind to you in your daily life, you begin to reflect those things into the lives of others. I think a really helpful way to think about our growth as disciples, depending on Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, is to talk about skills and abilities. We we talk about this in the education world, right? Desired outcomes. This is what we want to see take place as we do education. We talk about this in the language of sports, right? So when I watch my my son's basketball practices, I I see that they're working on skills and abilities. They're going to teach you how to dribble. They're going to teach you how to pass how to shoot a free throw. And right before games, what do they do? They run the drills. They put all those skills and abilities into practice. They practice them so they can use them in a real game. And I think it's that way for us as disciples of Jesus, is that there are skills and abilities that the Holy Spirit would work in us. Uh, at my previous congregation, our senior pastor and I, we, um, we would take a yearly retreat up to Vermont, and we'd kind of think through this theme of discipleship. How do we grow disciples? And from those retreats, we came up with a list of 10 basic skills for a disciple. And this has been kind of helpful for me just to think, what are the desired outcomes we have for an individual Christian? And uh, our, our staff is using this list as we think about how we can grow as a congregation. I just want to take you through the list briefly um, for you to think about what does fruit look like in your life, practically speaking? Because when we talk about bearing fruit in the Christian life, that's a little bit kind of abstract, right? But what does this concretely look like in your life? I'll give you 10 examples. So um, here are some basic skills that we would want to have as a disciple. Number one, living by faith. This means that we approach life with an attitude of trust in God's love and His promises. Number two, self-examination and repentance. This means that we are able, through the Holy Spirit's power, to see the presence of sin in our lives, actions, thoughts, attitudes, words, and that rather than hiding that sin or making excuses for it, we'd be able to confess it and receive God's forgiveness. Bible study and personal application. This means that you as a disciple would be growing in your confidence in reading Scripture, that you wouldn't be afraid of your Bible, but you'd be willing to open it up and think about what it says and and be able to discuss it with others. Number four, engaging in corporate worship. This means that we've heard God's voice speaking to us, saying that this time that we spend together on Sundays is the absolute most important hour of the week. And that we bump everything else and we say, this is going to be my priority, right? 
That's a basic skill as a disciple. Or next, the practice of prayer. That rather than worry and fret about our problems and the, and the brokenness that we see in the world, that we would learn to, to bring those problems and needs, both ourselves and others, to God, submitting them in prayer. Pursuit of a holy life. This means that we're learning to, to resist temptation. We're learning uh, to seek what's pleasing to God in every area of our lives. Living as a steward. This means that we recognize that everything that we have from God is a gift and that we're called by Him to wisely manage time, abilities, finances, resources towards the building of God's kingdom. Peacemaking. This means that you and I as Christians are learning the skill of making peace with others when we've been wronged or wronged somebody. This means that rather than you know, um, going around and gossiping and spreading rumors or maybe avoiding people or ghosting people or just being outright hostile to people, that we would learn the skill of admitting when we're wrong and asking for forgiveness. Serving people. This means that in all areas of life, in your work, in your family, your neighborhood, as a citizen, in your church, that you would learn the posture of serving others as Jesus first served you. So that the primary question, you're not, you're not asking primarily, what can I get? But how can I give as Jesus first gave to me? And then finally, sharing Jesus, that, that we would learn how to share the basic gospel message with those around us who might have questions. Uh, that we would represent Jesus to the world in a wise and winsome way. So as we continue this year, uh, you'll notice uh, that we're going to focus a lot of our preaching and our teaching on these topics so that we can grow as disciples in these areas. Third, how does growth take place in the life of a Christian? Now, we could just spend all kinds of time on this, but I just want to boil it down plain and simple. Growth takes place in your life and my life when you and I are constantly connected to the Word of God and the sacraments in Christian community. And so God's plan for your growth as a Christian is Word and sacrament in community. This is the way that the Spirit's been growing Christians for 2,000 years, Word and sacrament in community. This is important to note because so often American Christianity becomes void of the word, the sacrament, and the community. It becomes kind of a DIY thing. So I'm on my own being a disciple. But that's not God's plan. So in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we see a description of a spirit-filled, growing church. And we read this description. It says, they, the first disciples, devoted themselves. I love that word because it means they fixated themselves they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the word, and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is talking about worship. The breaking of bread and the, and the, and the fellowship is talking about the Holy Communion that we share around this altar. And so you can see that the early church prized and prioritized the word of God and the sacraments. But not individually, but together. As we read on in Acts chapter 2, it says this, and day by day, attending the temple together, that's a key word, together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
See, the, the early Christians were devoted to being together, and this is how they grew. In fact, we could say that this is a growth environment when we are participating in the Word of God, the sacraments, together in community. This is why we've placed such a, a, a big emphasis in our congregation lately on being in a life group or joining a Bible study, being together as disciples, because disciples grow when they're with other disciples. See, it's in community that we encourage each other and bear each other's burdens. It's in community that we talk about real stuff that matters rather than just what's the weather, right? It's in community that we listen to each other patiently. It's in community that we share our struggles. It's in community that we pray for one another. It's in community that we serve one another in times of need. And as we do that in community, you and I experience the presence of the risen Lord Jesus in a very real and palpable way. This community is so essential. And so to review, number one, It's not about the numbers, friends. It's about the depth of growth, right? Number two, growth in your life as a disciple looks like you being more dependent on Jesus and from that becoming more like Jesus. Third, God grows our faith through word and sacrament in community. And finally, that leads to a question. The question I want to close with is, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, what? And everything else builds around this because God's first. Maybe your next step as a disciple is to join a Bible study or a life group as we come into the next season of Lent. I've been so encouraged uh, to, to hear, you know, folks who, who were like, you know, I, I wasn't so sure about a life group, but then somebody invited me and I signed up and I did it and it was uncomfortable at first, but then I thought, wow, I'm growing through this. This is good for me. I've made connections with people I didn't know before. Maybe your next step as a disciple is to serve some way at Holy Cross. Maybe Sunday school, Wednesday nights, snow removal, making meals for funerals. There's a variety of ways we can serve. Maybe your next step as a disciple growing is is not to serve in this church, but to be more devoted to serving in your home or your workplace. Asking, how does the gospel impact what I do during the week? Because some of you might say, I can't handle another thing, right? But maybe the Spirit's calling you to, to take a look at all the hours you spend in the week and say, how can I make space for the things that count? God's Word, time in prayer. Maybe your growth looks like you starting to give regularly to your congregation in a focused, intentional way for the first time. Maybe growth looks like you calling somebody you haven't seen at Holy Cross for a while and inviting them to come and worship with you. Maybe it means that you get coffee with somebody in this congregation who's grieving or going through a difficult time. Maybe it looks like you taking those first steps to be reconciled with somebody you experience distance with in this congregation. Whatever the next step is, as you ask that question, I want you to have this image in mind. One of, you know... One of the best images I have in my mind as a parent is the image of kids taking their first steps. It's always a little nerve-wracking as kids take their first steps because they just kind of fumble around, you know, and you're worried they're going to hurt themselves. But there's also excitement because it's a major milestone when kids take their first steps. And, and think about, you know, if you've ever experienced a, a kid taking their first steps, uh, they're really unstable, but you're, 
you're rejoicing over them, you're encouraging them, and you're also there to pick them up when they fall and bonk their head, right? And try again. And that's the image that I'd encourage you to have in your mind of your Father in heaven, right? Is growth can be difficult. It's always uncomfortable. But God the Father in Christ rejoices over you as his growing disciple. When you fall, he picks you up. When you're scared, he comforts you. It's the strength of his love that leads you to take the next step. And so may that be your meditation this week as you think about where God is calling you to grow. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.